a great chapter, the Word of God, and uh, I appreciate so many verses. There are phrases and turns of phrases and verses and uh, portions of this chapter that themselves are great messages all by themselves, but I want to look at the chapter at least in its majority this morning, and uh, then we'll, and we're going to look at it in a specific way of study and then come back to uh, in its uh, in its overview and then come back to a specific portion inside of the chapter that I want to spend a little extra time in this morning and uh, focus on it for just a moment but uh, if you'll just keep your bibles open we'll we'll go through this chapter together in the word of the lord from 1 Samuel chapter number 30 thank the lord for the good choir singing for the opportunity this morning to be in the house of the lord do give us your undivided attention this morning for a few moments and uh, it uh, you know we only have a little while in the house of the lord satan spends all week the world spends all week uh, captivating our time captivating our attention with the things of the world the cares of this life the deceitfulness of riches and other things entering in chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful in our lives. And uh, we have but just a little while in the house of the Lord on the Lord's day to uh, effectively study God's word together. And I would encourage you to commit yourself unto it this morning and help me as I try to deliver unto you the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I certainly want to be able to do that the way that the Lord has laid it on my heart. And to pray that God would limit all the distractions in our hearts and our minds that we might declare unto you those things which the Lord has shown us in the word of the Lord. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, the setting of the passage is such that David is now the king in Israel. And he is just coming to this kingship as he has been anointed but not yet appointed. Uh, This uh, thing of Saul is still hanging over his head. Saul has not given his, has not laid down his life, has not yet given up the ghost, and he will in chapter 31. The Lord has already rejected him from being king in Israel, but he's still occupying the throne. He's got it out for David's life to kill him. He has it set in his heart to destroy David, uh, but yet the Lord has, uh, has appointed him, has anointed him king in Israel. And in chapter 31, Saul does die. David does take the throne and he does become king. Now, the imagery is such that in chapter number 30, before David can ever make it to a place of kingship, Amalek seeks to destroy David and everything that he has. Before David can rule, Amalek seeks to destroy him. Now, if you drop back to chapter 16, chapter 15 and 16, you'll find that Saul, his father-in-law, was supposed to utterly destroy Amalek. And since he did not utterly destroy Amalek, God had refused him and rejected him from becoming king. This enemy now that attacked his father-in-law is now attacking David and trying to destroy him. The same enemy that sought to keep David or sought to keep Saul from reigning and having power is the same enemy that seeks to keep David from reigning and having power. Amalek is a likeness of the flesh. Amalek is the same enemy of the Lord that uh, sought to keep the children of Israel from coming into Canaan land and even sneak attacked them when they first began to come into Canaan land and God was angry at them because of it. And the Bible tells us after the children of Israel, after their first great victory, their first great, uh, uh, first great uh, experience in the Lord and miracle in God, that Amalek came upon them. And the Bible said, and then came Amalek. Amalek is a descendant of the Edomites. That is, they are a descendant of Esau, that carnal son of the twins of Isaac. He had to Jacob and Esau. And Jacob, of course, is the one that chose the path of God. And Esau is the one that uh, chose the worldly things and even married an Ishmaelite woman and lived his life in sin. And so we find that they attacked the, the man of God, the chosen king of Israel, 
and they came against him, tried to keep him from having victory, tried to keep him from being able to reign upon the throne as God had chosen, tried to stop the plan of God, tried to take away everything he had, tried to undermine his army, tried to destroy their families. Does this not sound like the flesh to you, what he does in our lives? Does everything he can to stop you and to keep you from being able to have the victory in your life. And so we're going to look through and see what happens in this transpiring in chapter 30. And we preached about this a little bit recently, but I want to look at it from a different perspective this morning. The Bible said in verse number 1, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day. Now notice when he says they came to Ziglag on the third day, there's always significance to the third day. That is the resurrection. You remember Jesus said, This evil generation seeketh after a sign, but there shall no sign be given them, save that which was of the prophet Jonas, as he was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. And Jesus died and was buried and was resurrected on the third day. And the, every time we see the three days, it is an indicator of the resurrection. You remember when it was that uh, Esther got victory to go in unto the king and uh, to intercede for Israel after the third day of fasting. Three days, God gave her the victory. And uh, my friend, three days, you remember how far it was that they needed to go into the wilderness to worship the Lord when they left out of the land of Egypt. Egypt in the book of Exodus, he said, we must go a three-day journey. Pharaoh said, that's too far. Moses said, if we don't go three days, we can't worship. Three days. And God gives the victory. I'm glad the Lord, listen, that the crowd in the book of Acts, Peter said, you took Jesus who the Lord anointed, and he was the Son of God, and with evil hands, you smote him and hung him on a tree. But on the third day, God raised him from the dead. The victory is in the third day. And here we find David, it is a picture of a child of God who gets the victory. I live because Jesus lives. Because of what happened in the resurrection, I have new life. I have the victory in the third day. And David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day. It is the picture of a person who's a new Christian, who's just been born again, who has just come into the family of God, who's just gotten the victory, who has the resurrection and the life, as we preached about Wednesday night, living inside of him. And Jesus lives in me. And notice how long the flesh gives him before he attacks him. There is no honeymoon period. There is no time frame where the flesh, the world and the devil says, well now this one just got saved. We'll give them a year or so to adjust. And we won't attack them right away. And we'll let them live for Jesus for a while, get their feet under him. Then we'll come and attack. That's not how Amalek works. That's not how the flesh works. That's not how the carnal man works. When you turn your life over to Jesus, right away he'll start attacking you. When you try to live for God, right away he'll start coming against you. And the Bible said that on the third day they come into Ziglag, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire. Here, here they are. They had just gotten uh, through that third day, just gotten the resurrection, just gotten new life. Uh, and it's followed by an immediate attack of the flesh. Satan and uh, the world and the flesh will oppose you at every step of your Christian journey. And matter of fact, I've heard folks say something like this. I didn't have all these problems till I got saved. And then I give all my heart to the Lord and it seems like I'm getting attacked on every side. And my friend, don't think that you are the only one. And the devil and the flesh and the world will come against you when you have an experience with Christ on the third day. But hear me this morning. It does not have to be defeat in your life. And we're going to find that in the life of David here. Now in verse number 2, we find how uh, we find that it affected David's whole family. They had taken the women captives that were therein and slew not any, the great or small, but carried them away. They took them away from him. They tried to take, uh, tried to uh, snatch his family away from him. They tried to divide him. 
from the people that he loved. We find in the verses following destruction of carnality. And David and his men came to the city and behold it was burned with fire. We find a devastation of these men. Their wives, their sons, their daughters were taken captive. We find a division that takes place. There were these men and their families separated one from another. That's what the flesh does. He seeks to divide. And then there is despair. And the David in verse number 4. And David and the people that were there with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And their discouragement was so great. And we find them distressed in verse number 6. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved every man for his sons and for his daughters. But notice when things got so great and got so heavy and the battle with the flesh got so real and Amalek came so hard against God's people. You notice what David did in the end of verse number 6. The Bible says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. His men could not encourage him. They were lower than he was. His men could not encourage him because they had uh, been susceptible to the uh, attack of Amalek and they even turned against him. Uh, my friend, others couldn't say anything that would help him. He found no encouragement in his circumstance. He couldn't even go home and get encouragement from his wife and his family uh, for the flesh had divided him from them. But when it seemed like David had not a friend in the world uh, and he was as low as he could go when he went until he could weep no more. You notice where he got encouragement? He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I want to tell you, he found encouragement in the Lord. He found help in the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something else. He exercised that help himself. He didn't wait for somebody else to say, all right, David, I'm going to help you today. I'm going to exhort you today. I'm going to lift you up today. He could find nobody to do that. Seemed like everybody else was in as bad a shape or worse than what he was. And David said, I'm not going to be defeated. God is still on his throne. I still know the Lord and can still trust in God. And David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Oh, there are times when the preacher would say a kind word. There are times when the saints of God can lift you up. There are times when God's people and my friend can come along and sing a song or preach a sermon or give a handshake or say words of consolation but there'll be some days of isolation where you'll be all by yourself and seem like you look to the right hand and no man can help you to the left hand and no man cares about your soul and you're just going to have to have a self talk amen where you remind yourself that God is on his soul and the Lord can help you through this battle and this trouble and this trial and you encourage yourself in the Lord your God and where you lift yourself up you say oh but I face dark days I cannot imagine that any of us has faced any days that's any darker certainly that seemed any darker than what David was facing here their whole town burned to the ground every man's wife and children all taken and kidnapped by the enemy expecting them all to be dead my friend, this is Job-like trials. And David, my friend, has committed himself to serve the Lord. Committed himself to live for God. Committed himself to be God's anointed. And he and everybody around him's lives have been ripped all apart. The only encouragement he had was in the Lord. And the only person he had to encourage him in the Lord was himself. Don't look always for somebody else to lift you up. Sometimes you've just got to get it in your own mind. I'm going to think on things that are good and pure and lovely and of good report and of praise. I'm going to think on these good things. And God's going to lift me up. If everybody around me is on the bottom, if I'm on the bottom, if all of my circumstances are backwards to what I'd like for them to be, I'm going to think about the Lord and be encouraged in Him. 
Amen. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. And then I find not only his encouragement, but in verse number 7, David says to Abiathar the priest, Abimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought hither the ephod of David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? When David got encouraged in the Lord, he sought for the right person, that is the priest. He sought for the right presence that is the effort the effort represented the presence of God the anointing of God my friend the ability of God to hear the prayer of the priest I'm so thankful it's a likeness of the Holy Ghost my friend when you are discouraged by the flesh and by carnality seek after the priest our high priest is Jesus amen exalted in the heavenlies seek after the presence the Holy Spirit in our lives and then he sought for the right power he sought to recover all how shall I pursue after them how shall I overtake them and he answered him that is the Lord answered him pursue for thou shalt overtake them and without fail recover all he sought after the right power my friend that is the power of recovery the power of restoration my friend the power that the Lord gives in his strength David really had two pertinent questions of the Lord first of all shall I pursue after this truth the second question was shall I overtake them hear me this morning in your battle with the flesh there are really two questions that we have in this thing first of all should I fight them should I fight the flesh or do I give in do I fight or do I flee do I battle the flesh or do I give in to the flesh? Isn't that right? Brother Thomas is here this morning and he'll tell you in his training in the police world that they begin to tell them that they really have to make a decision when they get into a place where things get intense. And you have someone who is resisting or maybe fighting back against you or breaking the law and attacking you. You have to decide whether you will fight or flee. It is a fight or flight scenario. David asked the Lord, do I fight or do I flee? Shall I pursue after thee? In your battle with the flesh, the question is the same. Many times you've asked yourself, is it worth it to fight? Should I fight this battle? Should I pursue after them? Should I war with Amalek? And the answer is yes. Fight the battle. Fight the flesh. Dig your heels in. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't just give in to the devil and the world and the flesh. Pursue after them. Fight them. But the second question is, if I do fight them, shall I overtake them? If I fight, am I going to win? Is there any point to fighting if you know you're going to lose? If the battle is lost, what's the need to fight? If you're going to lose, what's the cause to fight? If it's certain death, why would you fight? But he said, should I fight him? And am I going to win this battle? I should I fight Amalek? And will I defeat Amalek? And the Lord said, fight him and you'll recover all. Fight him and you will win. By the way, the opposite is true. Run and you'll lose. Flee and you will lose. Had David chosen to run like a coward or to give up, he'd have never got back his wife or his children or my friend, the goods that were stolen from him. He'd have just lost, my friend. Everything would have been gone. But David said, all right, God said, fight and I'm going to fight. God said, if I fight, I'll win and I'm going to win. And while everybody else's heart was on the bottom, David took this and he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he said to himself, self, get up from here. Rise up against your enemies. It's time to stand and gird up your loins like a man and go to battle. Thank God. And the Lord will be by your side. Hallelujah. Hey, friend, if there's anything that I could encourage him this morning, I'd say be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I realize that the battle of the flesh is real, but the victory is ours. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And we are going to recover all and God's going to help us. And when David decided I'm going to fight, some said we're going to go with you. So David went, verse number 9. He with 600 men that were with him. Listen to me just a minute. Nobody was ready to fight until David got ready to fight. They were going to throw rocks at him until he died. Until David said, I done got a hold of God and the Lord's going to give us the victory. And if they had stoned David and killed him, they all would have been defeated. But when David encouraged himself in the Lord and he said, I'm going to go fight. And God said, we're going to get the victory. You realize there's 600 other men and their families that got victory as well. Are you listening to me? In your life, if you accept defeat, if you accept the battle with the flesh, if you just uh, lay down, roll over, play dead, give in to what the flesh is doing in your life, battling you in this Christian walk, all all those others who would be affected by you, they will suffer defeat as well. But if you'll encourage yourself in the Lord, if you'll rise up out of that state of despair and doom and disaster, my friend, and fight this battle, praise God, somebody else will rise up with you and say, we'll fight as well and we'll battle as well and God will give victory to the him surely is what he will to you. Somebody's waiting for you to stand and fight. Somebody's waiting for you to encourage yourself in the Lord. Somebody's depending on your willingness to face the enemy. Somebody's watching you while you weep tears until you can shed no more tears. While you uh, grieve until you can grieve no more. While your heart breaks until it cannot be broken anymore. And my friend, when you rise up, and not because your circumstances are resolved, not because because your burdens are gone not because the enemy is defeated but because the Lord is in your life when you rise up encourage yourself in the Lord seek after God and face the enemy others will also do the same nothing had yet been restored except for the confidence of these men Nothing had changed except for the mindset of these soldiers. Ziglag hadn't been recovered. All those family members were still taken captive. The fire still smoldered and burnt. The only thing that had changed was their mindset. Amen? Oh, listen, before the rest of it changes, that's got to change. Before the rest of it changes, you've... Uh, and listen, there's nothing wrong. The Lord did not in any way condemn or uh, my friend in any way disparage these men for weeping, for crying, for being uh, heartbroken. They ought to be. It's reasonable for them to be. Uh, and I'm going to show you more about that in just a moment. But they never got the victory until their mindset changed from one of defeat and despair to one of exhorting one another uh, and encouraging themselves and the Lord and standing on their own two feet and taking the battle to Amalek and fighting that good fight of faith. Nothing changed until they got this thing right. So David went, he in verse number 9, and the 900 men that were with him and they came to the brook Bezor where those that were left behind stayed. Now, let's talk about these that are left behind. At this place... When they got to Bezor, the Bible says that there were some that were left behind. And when he left them behind, David pursued and 400 men. Now there were 600 in verse 9, but there were 400 in verse 10. David got encouraged and the Lord, 600 of them jumped on their horses and says, let's ride boys. They made it as far as the river and 200 of them said, I'm too tired to go any further. I've had all I can stand. There's going to be those in your life. Those that you said you thought when the battle started, you, they said, "Hey, we'll go with you all the way. We won't ever leave you. We'll always." Boy, if you can count on anybody, buddy, you can count on me. I'll be there. You ever need anything? Just call me. 
Amen. When I was a boy, my daddy used to tell jokes and stuff. But he'd say to folks, he'd, you know, somebody be standing around, Brother John, Brother Randy be standing around. He'd tell Brother Randy, you, you ever need anything now? I mean, anything at all, Brother Randy, you just give Brother John a call. Amen. That's what he'd say just to clown and cut up. Instead of saying, I'll be there for you, you know, he'd say, you just give Brother John a call and I'm sure he'll help you. There are those in your life that'll be like that. They'll say, I'll be there for you. I'll, I'll be with you. I'll not ever leave. I'll be faithful. I'll stand by you. And at the first sign of a battle, at the first sign of difficulty, and my friend fatigue and trouble will set in. They'll run out of gas. And my friend, and they'll stop somewhere. Where the river comes, it'll get too wide. When the valley gets there, it'll be too deep. When the mountain gets there, it'll be too high. When the giants show up, they'll be too tall. They're with you through thick, but not through thin. And they'll stop somewhere along the way. But I'm going to tell you something else about that 200. 200 that 200 doesn't always just forsake us. Y'all listen to me just a moment. This is really important. That 200 doesn't always just forsake us. Sometimes they include us. Did everybody listen to what I just said? We always want to think we're David. And more often than not, we're in the 600 somewhere, either following or failing. More often than not, we are in the 600 somewhere, either following or failing. And that 200 that got stuck by the river who said, I'm too worn out. I can't do it anymore. Have I fought till I can't fight anymore? I'm exhausted. I can't make it. Not only does sometimes that 200 forsake us, my friends, sometimes it includes us. Amen. Sometimes our membership is in the 200 by the river. We're the ones who get worn out. Sometimes you or me. Sometimes we are the ones who get to the place where I said, just can't stand it no more. I just can't take it no more. I've done all that I can do. I've had all I can stand. I've fought till I can't fight no more. I'm defeated. I just can't do it. I can't cross the river. I can't make another step. If there's one more obstacle, I cannot overcome it. Had it been flat land, had it been, had it been easy riding, had it been an easy battle, we'll just ride on long as we can ride. But now we gotta cross a river. Now we gotta cross a, a broke. If the battle wasn't enough, now there's a broke. If the enemy wasn't enough, now there's a river. I just can't take no more. I cannot go on another day. I'm worn out sometimes. That 200 includes us. We don't want to own up to that. Amen. By the way, these 200 are not named for a purpose. If they named them, the pride in us and see, would want to read those names and said, see, I'm not in that. That's not me. I didn't do that. Well, I'm better than them. I'm not like them, but we are like them. Amen. What happens? What happens when the person you're counting on ends up in the 200? What happens when the one that you're looking to for leadership ends up in the 200? By the way, what happens when the person who's looking to you for leadership sees you end up in the 200? Amen. Amen. But it didn't stop David. You say, but folks have quit on me. A third of them quit on him. And everything he had and they had had been taken away from him. I'm not being too hard on that 200 this morning. I understand their grief was great. That fought battle, and if you go back to chapter 15 all the way forward, out of this chapter, you'll find out this is not the first battle they've fought. All they've been doing is fighting and slaying and killing and wrestling. And my friend, all they've been doing is one war after another, one battle after another, have the tip of one spear after another, fight one enemy after another. I understand their weariness. I understand, I relate to, I empathize with where they are. I'm not throwing stones at them this morning. 
But David looked around. He said, a third of you might be too tired to go on. And if you're too tired, don't go on. All the rest of you who can, though, come on. And David rode and 400 of them went on along with him in verse number 10. I want us to skip down now to verse number 16. We're coming back to these other verses. Verse number 16. David's army does find Amalek. He finds them having captured all the people of Ziklag. He finds them having stolen all the goods of Ziklag. He finds them after they have burnt with fire at David's hometown and the hometown of these men that were with him. And in verse 16, when he brought him down, behold, there were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of their great spoil. Must have seemed so defeating to David and his men. They wept until their hearts could weep no more. They wept and wailed until they couldn't cry another tear. They were so grieved that a third of them couldn't even cross a river. They were so discouraged that they wanted to throw rocks at their king until he died. Back at home, every house that they had was smoldering with fire and smoke. And everything they owned was gone. And now they're looking at the enemy. And he's dancing. And he's laughing. And he's drinking. And he's partying. And don't you know they had to be ticked off to high heaven. And I don't know about you this morning. Now listen, I don't mean to be a rabble rouser. But I do mean to let you know how how ugly the old devil is. And how ugly the flesh is. And how dangerous this thing is. How when we look around us this morning and realize how the havoc that Satan and sin and carnal flesh brings in our lives. How my friend, when you realize what Amalek and the enemy has done in our lives. And when you realize that when they have have uh, taken out of the land of Philistines and out of the land of Judah all these things uh, and wreaked that much havoc in your life uh, when you see the uh, my friend the flesh defeating people around you that you love that you care about taking them hostage uh, destroying their lives destroying what matters to you uh, and then partying and laughing about it and realizing the devil is reveling in it and his crowd is rejoicing in it and the their mindset is ha 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 we've defeated God's man and we've defeated God's people and he laughs while we weep and he rejoices while we mourn and he makes fun while we suffer it ought to get us stirred up amen Oh, my friend Isaiah looked at the people in his book and he saw what sin was doing. And he says, why don't they stir themselves? Why don't somebody get worked up about it? Amen. Oh, and it ought to be a question we'd ask ourselves. How in the world could you see what Satan and the flesh is doing to you and all that are around you? And just sit around and twiddle your thumbs and do nothing about it. And say, oh, well, it's all right or let alone have my friend yoke up with them and it's okay I'm telling you it ought to stir us up it ought to birth in us holy indignation against what all that the devil and his crowd does amen Amen. ought to get us stirred up matter of fact I'm going to say something right here if I don't say anything say it for anybody else but myself this is what the church world has come to and this is why we like, we like soft-soaping, soothing sermons rather than the kind that sets a fire on our bodies. The kind that sets a fire on ourselves. Amen. I'm thinking about old Samson when he went out there and caught 300 foxes. You know what he did with them? Tied their tails together and set their tail on fire. We need somebody this morning to catch us and help us realize what the flesh is doing to us and set our tails on fire. Amen. Somebody to help us realize this is a serious thing. Somebody that will uh, point it out to us that Satan and the world and the flesh has set us as a target and that we'd sit and quit sitting soothing one another and saying everything's okay when it is not okay. 
Amen. That's exactly right. My soul, my soul. This week has been a burdensome week to me. But I'm telling you, friend, it's because the battles of the flesh are real. And the men of God have preached soft sermons. Don't everybody ever think's all right? When preach against the devil, if there's a snake wrapped around the neck, choking out the last breath of life out of them, and want everybody to pat them on the back and put money in their pockets and set a warning. God's people that Satan is real and that sin is wrong and that the flesh is your enemy and that the world is against us and you better rise up against it, amen and you better fight while there's still an ounce of strength in your body if everybody sits down by the riverside we're all going to die somebody's got to quit like men somebody's got to get dressed in under my friend the garbs of the award Somebody's got to put on the whole armor of God. Somebody's got to fight against the wiles of the devil. Somebody's got to stand in an evil day. Somebody ought to be you and somebody ought to be me. Amen. It's exactly right. Amen. Hallelujah. And let me get a little more of my friend the particular or specific while I'm here. Amen. And this is specifics is usually when I get in trouble. I said, just go ahead and send the radar up. Amen. God, give us some men in this generation. I'll give them that cry out and spare not. I'll give some liquor drinking. Amen. And the gambling and the drugs. And my friend folks sucking up outside of wedlock. Amen. And that they cry out again and spare not when it comes to adultery and fornication and idolatry and wickedness and sensualist of every sort. That they cry out and spare not when it comes to this uh, compromise that's going on in our church world and the carnality that has absorbed the Christian world. Amen. Hallelujah, that's exactly right. And if there's nobody left, not a tuner on planet earth, when I leave this whole world preaching what I'm preaching this morning, I beg God to give me strength to encourage myself in the Lord and keep on preaching. Amen. Somebody's got to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. If I won't preach to my young'uns about it, who will? Hey man, that's exactly right. If I won't warn you about it, who will? Seem like nobody else is anymore. Hey man, that's exactly right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mark me down and classify me as you want to. I'm still opposed to the lottery. I'm still opposed to the uh, horse racing. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. And just go ahead and write Brother Toby off any way you want to. If you get something that you didn't earn and you take it from somebody else who lost it, which is what happens when you gamble, you are a thief. Amen. That's exactly right. Oh, by the sweat of his face, a man had earned his bread. That's what the scripture says. And not by trickery and chance. Oh, God, help us. Oh, wow, some other baby, oh, man's baby's going out shoes. So you can make a score. And my friend, pray upon his compulsiveness. Amen. God, help us. All this liquor drinking and gambling that has crept even into church circles. I didn't used to hear preachers ever preach on that. They didn't have to. Everybody knew it was wrong. We're living in a day where ain't nothing wrong. Where folks my friend can be. They can be lewd and they can live in sin of every sort and drink liquor and think that it's okay and hold an office in the church and be a proud church member and tell everybody who their pastor is and have things alright but it is not alright. Amen. God help us. Amen. And I'm not even fighting that mean streak off that's crawling up my leg. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to warn. You know why I preach about this? I am sick and tired of seeing zigzags burn with fire. 
Amen. I am tired of watching families be split up because of carnality and the flesh and the devil. I'm worn out. I'm worn out. Oh, mamas and daddies divided and babies without parents because of sin. And it's time we quit soothing everybody and telling the world and all our church folks that everything's all right. That sin's rotten and it stinks and it's undermining and destroying everything that is around us. Amen. It's time we get a holy ghost gumption about us. Amen. Dig our feet in the sand and say, I'm going to stand Amen. if I've just got to encourage myself in the Lord. And if everybody around me decides to stop at the river, and if everybody around me says that I'm going to give up, I'm not going to give up. If they all stone me, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I'm going to fight. Amen. Amen. When the man of God falls, listen to me just a second. I'm going to say something else while I'm here. I don't know if I'll ever get back to the part I was going to get to, and it don't really matter right now anyway. I'm preaching what the Holy Ghost has given me some, and I'm preaching the Bible, by the way, right out of these scriptures, so I don't know what in the world you're going to do with it this morning, except accept it or refuse it. And if you refuse it, it's between you and the Lord. And if you accept it, it's between you and the Lord. All it's up to me is to preach it. Amen. And when the man of God falls, and when God's chosen suffers, you see, they were not just rejoicing because they had taken this from David. They were not just rejoicing because they had attacked a city somewhere because they had stolen something and got something. David was anointed from God. You look over back just a few chapters ago and you'll find the horn on his head pouring out the oil and it dripping off of his sin. And God saying, I'll put my hand on that man. And now Amalek has come against him. And they said, we've attacked and defeated God's anointed and they rejoice in the demise of God's man. I'm going to tell you something, friend. If you rejoice when God's man falls, if you rejoice when the Christian fails, if you rejoice when somebody who once served God and stood for something crumbles publicly, if you rejoice in their sin or their failure or their suffering, you are a sick person who has identified yourself with Amalek identified yourself with the devil and with the world and you ought to get right with God Amen I knew he was always like that. I knew there was never nothing to him. See I told you so you're a devil's what's wrong with you if you rejoice over sin then you got a problem if you rejoice over devastation in the lives of God's people and my friend wrecking a church or wrecking somebody's life who's been a part of a church and my friend a leadership in a church you got a devil and you got a problem amen I'm preaching the truth ain't it brother Bob Amalek is the one who behaved like this carnality you got a carnal problem if you rejoice in God's people's suffering, even if it's by their own failure, you have a carnal problem. Ah, who did he think he was trying to tell everybody else how they ought to do things? Look how bad his life. Oh, and if you rejoice in that, you've got a problem. You ought to weep over it. Everybody who was with David wept. Everybody who was with Amalek rejoiced. If you're rejoicing at someone else's demise, you classify yourself this morning. Everybody listening to the preaching? Amen. Amen. Am I telling the truth, Brother Junior? Amen. It is sad. It breaks my heart to see people that once lived for God go in the wrong direction. i got people right now that I love that have been on the pews of this church 
some of them that I have served the Lord feverishly with. And they've gotten under the burden with me and we have traveled many miles together and they have helped me in the gospel ministry and they've been a blessing to this church and today their lives are shipwrecked and they're out in sin and they won't return phone calls and they don't want to talk. And I passed one going down the highway here last night and just watching his vehicle go down the road broke my heart. I thought here he is just riding down the church, riding down the road, right in front of the church building and it never even answered the preacher's call and I won't come to the house of God and it breaks my heart and if you rejoice in that you've got a problem amen amen Amalek was reveling in the defeat demise, destruction of God's people and their families but I'll tell you what it did to David it got him so tore up he said I'll fight them I will fight them if I got to do it alone and the Lord told me to go and to pursue them and that I will prevail against them. And look what happened in verse 17. And David smote them. That'd be enough by itself if the Bible just said that, wouldn't it? He got a hold to them and clobbered them. He knocked a fire out of them to put it in Harrelson County Hebrew. Amen. Brother Randy and I were listening to Andy Griffith tell a little bit about some things and he talks about how that this and that was going on. He said he's just whooping the fire out of them. And that's what he was doing. David was just whooping the fire out of them. And look how long he did it. From twilight even until evening of the next day. You know what that tells me? He smote them day and night. Are you listening? He smote them day and night night how how long should I fight them all day all day all night all day all night all day all night and however long it takes it till you get done whooping the fire out of them amen I'm not talking about getting human beings and blistering them and beating people up. I'm talking about battling the flesh. I'm talking about battling that carnality that's in the flesh. I'm talking about opposing evil of every sort. And he fought it day and night. He fought it, the Bible says, and there escaped not a man of them. He fought it until they were all defeated. He fought it until he ran them off. Say 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. David didn't quit till the battle was over is what I'm saying. Verse 18 tells us about his victory. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. It talks about family deliverance. And there was nothing lacking unto them. That talks about their provision. He put the Lord took care of everything. Neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. The devil says, you're going to lose it all. But God says, pursue them. You'll overcome them. You'll recover it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You say, oh preacher, I've lost everything in my battle with the flesh. If you've lost it all, you ain't fought long enough. Just keep fighting and you'll get it all back. Amen. This is the same with Job. Had more in the end than he had in the beginning. Somebody said, oh, but preacher, what about those sons and daughters? The Bible filled. He didn't have twice as many sons and daughters. He had just as many, but he didn't have twice as many. He did so have twice as many. And my friends, some were on this side, some were on that side. But he had twice as many. Hallelujah. He recovered all. He recovered all. Praise God today. If you don't give up, you're going to win. Hallelujah. If you don't give up, you're going to win. Not only will your victory help you, but it'll help everybody around you. David came in verse 21. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, 
As much as I'd like to say I've always been in the in the group of the 400 that continued on, I know so often I've been in the group of the 200 and I'm grateful for verse 21 and the times God lets somebody else who fights on help me when I was too tired to go another step. And David, verse 21, came to the 200 which were so faint that they could not follow David whom they had made abide also at the broke beast horror. And the end of the verse, David came near to the people and he saluted them. <laughs> Woo! You know what it'd make us want to do if them 200 had left us at the brook? We'd come back, we'd grab us up a stick or two by four and say, all right, now that I'm finished with Amalek, I'm going to get a hold of you. But David came back <laughs> and he realized these were fellow soldiers. These were uh, fellow battlers in the fight. These were men who were on the same side as him. They were just worn out. They just couldn't stand it another day. And when David got the victory and he came back, he came back and he saluted them. Hallelujah. Oh, by saluting them, he acknowledged we're still together. We're still on the same side. And not only that, since we're on the same side, and since I've won, that means you've won. And I'm going to share with you the victory God gave to me. Praise God for the times when somebody crossed over the brook when I couldn't go another step. They fought the battle. They won the victory. They came back across the river where I was. And they saluted me and said, We won. We won. And they helped us to meet a victory and brought me to restoration. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. I'd like to think I'll always be in the 400, but I already know, John Michael, I've spent too much time in the 200 to this point in my life, and I'll probably be there again. But when I get stuck on that side of the river, Brother John, keep on going. And when God gives you the victory, come back and salute me again. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! Bless His name. Bless His name. Bless His name. God, make us an encourager to somebody who's defeated at the brink of the river. Somebody who just can't get the strength across. Help us to help them. Woo! That crowd with David. That crowd with David. Some of them said, we ain't giving that bunch by the river nothing. We're not going to give that crowd by the river anything at all. The Bible says about that crew in verse 22 that they were men of Belial. You know what that means? That means sons of the devil. They talked like the devil talked. That crowd that said, since they didn't fight, they don't get anything because they went not with us. We will not give them all of the spoil that we have recovered. But verse 23 then said, David, you shall not do so, my brethren. Woo! End of verse 24. They shall part alike. Oh, my friend, those wearied by Amalek were restored by the actions of the strong. Somebody know about Galatians 6 and 1. Ye which are spiritual, restore. And those that are weak, and my friend, restore them, considering yourselves also. And my friend, thank God. And behold, he said in verse 26, Behold, a present for you of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. He shares with all God's people the victory. Hallelujah. This morning, if you're looking at your life smolder, and I never even got to the message, we'll preach her maybe tonight. Right in the smack dab middle of this, this, this thing, there's a sermon to sinners. But if this morning you are with these men of 600 and it seems like the smoke and the smoldering of your life is just raising up to the heavens and your heart's broken a million pieces, maybe you're even as far as the river bank and you can't go on any further at all and you're embattled and you feel like you're losing every day you fight. Every fight seems like you get further behind than what you were the day before. 
Some of you this morning, it's the devil that's come against you. Some of you, it's circumstances that are so heavy. Many of you, it's the flesh. Hear me. You have tried to quit this sin and that sin. You've tried to get victory over this thing and that thing. And Satan says, there's no use. You're going to die like you are. You can't get victory. You're going to die with this thing in your life. This week, I went to the family gathering and the funeral of a man who got that mindset, I'll just die like I am and I can't stand where I am. Oh, God, help us. Hear me this morning. Encourage yourself in the Lord. There is victory in Jesus. There is help in the Lord. And my friend, there is a way through this thing. Hey, listen to me. He had written a letter and said... I please don't remember all of my failures. Remember the years that I've been solid and did my best. And you keep serving God and loving God and trying to live for God and it tore my heart out of my chest. Oh, but this morning he was concerned that if anybody knew the failures that was going on and the fight that he couldn't win in his own life, that we would lose the confidence in him. But I want to tell you this morning that are by the riverbank and struggling hard with sin. I still salute you as a brother. I still love you no matter what you've been through. I still love you no matter what you've done. God still cares about you. There's still victory for you. I'm not going to stone you. The church won't stone you. We want to love you and help you be restored. Amen. And by the way, all the rest of us have the same battles in our lives. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. You say, I'm more spiritual than that. Then why don't you be the one that salutes them? Amen. If you're, my friend, the one that is strong, then help that one that is weak. If you're the one that's got the victory, help that person who's struggling. Don't kick them around and say, I'm glad I'm not in that number. Help them, my friend. That's the attitude of the devil to try to destroy them. Sons of Belial, men of Belial, sons of the devil. Oh, that's the ones that wanted to kick them while they were down. Consider yourselves. Again, I want to say, I'd like to think that I was always included in the 400 or that I was always David. But I'm afraid there's been far too many times in my life when I've been one of the 200 down by the riverbank saying I can't go no more. But praise God, there's victory for you too. <laughs> Woo! Bless His name. You know what they almost did? They almost stoned God's anointed because of their problems. And in chapter 31, that king Saul dies. <laughs> and their man they almost stoned became heir to the throne stepped up and sat down. Hallelujah. Sat down on the throne and all their enemies were made to be their footstool. Woo! Oh, bless His name. Are you listening to me this morning? You may quit one chapter too soon. You may quit one day too soon. Don't sit down and stop while there's help in Jesus. Everybody stand. I've preached what the Lord's laid on my heart. I hadn't preached what I intended to get to. Never even got there. But I preach what the Holy Ghost put on me. Hallelujah. I don't know if this is what they would approve of down there at the seminary in the homiletics class, but I'm going to tell you that's what the Holy Ghost has approved of in my heart. And it's been, it's been Holy Ghost preaching and it's been Bible preaching. And I hope that it's somehow or another has been preaching has helped your heart. If you're battling this morning, this victory. Praise God! There is victory in Jesus. Somebody needs to pray. Would you obey the Lord? Just obey the Lord. If God the Holy Ghost is touching your heart this morning, if you're carrying a heavy load, would you let us this morning help you across the river? (laughs) Maybe you think I can't get across. I can't make it. Oh, but would you let us help you? Would you let us help you across the river? Would you get some assistance from the Lord in your time of embattlement and grief? 
Oh God, have mercy on our souls. Somebody needs to pray. Just be obedient to the Lord. Sing for us when you're ready, sister. Just come and talk to the Lord. Cast your burden on the Lord. And He'll lift you up. He'll sustain you. He'll not suffer your foot to be moved. Praise God. There is help and victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. When you're broken from the battle and you've lost another round, Satan whispers to my troubled heart, lay your armor down. Where are those you've loved and trusted? Look around you, they're gone. Look around you, they're all gone. It'd be easy. It would be easy to surrender. To when you're standing all alone, then I bowed my head in sadness as I pondered what to do. I've been in God's army for so long, and I've been a soldier true. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Philistine giant. God delivered all of them into his hands. Amen. And he's going to deliver also Amalek into his hands. You know, saved people sometimes have got victory over the giants, but we had not got victory over the flesh. The biggest devils we fight, we've defeated. But it's that daily battle with the flesh. That carnal man that says you can't make it. That carnal man that weeps when he ought to rejoice, that, that is on the bottom when he ought to be on top, that forgets when he ought to remember. That carnal man that uh, ignores the Lord when he ought to listen. That carnal man that ought to read his Bible and instead reads the news of the day. That carnal man that ought to be pursuing heavenly things, but instead he pursues earthly things. That carnal man who recognizes himself and says, Oh, wretched man that I am. The Lord gives victory over that man just like He gives victory over Goliath. Just like He gives victory over bears. Just like He gives victory over giants. Just like He gives victory over lions. You can have the victory this morning. Sing a little more of that. Hallelujah. Satan whispers to my 
troubled heart Lay your armor down Where are those you've loved and trusted? Look around you, they're all gone T'would be easy to surrender When you're standing all alone Then I bowed my head in sadness As I pondered what to do I've been in God's army for so long And I've been a soldier true Then I heard a voice from heaven Saying, Pilgrim, it is I Lift your head and take new courage Turn your eyes toward the sky And I see a